Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams. Thank you for joining us on the First Energy Cleveland Cavaliers Radio Network. Now, here are your hosts, Tim Alcorn and Jim Jones. From the Cavaliers Radio Production Studios at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse in downtown Cleveland. Hi again, everybody. Welcome to Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams. Great to have you with us and, of course, We're going to have a fun show on this episode of Cavs HQ. Jim Jones, you really didn't have to dig deep into the black book this week because uh, we've got our first returning guest. Uh, We had his number already, but we are looking forward to a great conversation with one of our favorites, Cedric Cornbread Maxwell, Boston Celtics legend, NBA Finals MVP, and of course now a member of the Celtics radio broadcast team. And Boy, there's been some shockwaves up in Boston this week, so it'll be interesting to hear what Cedric Maxwell's take is on all of that. Yeah, it will be, and I think it'll be enjoyable for our faithful listeners to get an insight on stuff that you just can't get anywhere else. Uh, here's a guy that's that's right in the midst of all of this uh, change that the Celtics are going through. Brad Stevens, of course, leaving the coaching ranks and going upstairs to the GM job. And now they have to hire a coach. So all of that. So stay tuned. This is going to be a great show. Oh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, We'll also talk a little Cavs basketball as uh, Kobe Altman had his year-end press conference a short time ago. So we'll hear from Kobe as uh, he looks back on the 2021 season. But Jim also looks ahead as far as this Cavs team and its future. Yeah, and that's what it's about. Everything is moving forward. You know, he and his staff have developed a foundation we found some talent. You know, the draft is tricky. You know, there's a lot of stuff out there, and you don't know what these players can do until you develop them and give them an opportunity to play. And our young players had that opportunity because of protocols and injuries. So, of course, uh, the next big date circled on the uh, calendar for the Cavaliers, uh, June 22nd. Uh, that'll be the NBA draft lottery when the envelopes are revealed so we've got a fun show coming up Cedric Cornbread Maxwell joining us and again we'll talk some Cavs basketball a little bit later on in the program so stay with us Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams on the First Energy Cavaliers radio network final seven seconds Peyton Pritchard will dribble across half court and the Boston Celtics season filled with starts and stops and starts and stops has reached its final end. This is a bittersweet day to commemorate the departure, retirement of an all-time great, Danny Ainge. I trust my instincts. My instincts told me a couple months ago that it was time for me to move on. I understand and I'm looking forward to this new great challenge and responsibility and You know, we're driven to compete for championships. 
Welcome back to Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. I'm Tim Elkhorn, joined by Jim Jones. And, of course, the great trio on the other side of the window, Leo Simone, Marty Allen, and Kurt McLaughlin. And as we said at the top of the program, we are thrilled to once again join us on Cavs HQ, sitting in that legend's chair Cedric Cornbread Maxwell, of course, a Boston Celtic legend and now a member of the Celtics radio broadcast team. He is our first returnee in the Legends Chair. Uh, He broke in that Legends Chair uh, when we got Cavs HQ rolling early in the season, and now he comes back to talk about things that are transpiring up in Beantown. Ced Maxwell, great to have you back on the show. Well, gentlemen, it is great to be on your show again. And you know, off season for us, uh, us older guys right now, and you know, looking forward <laughs> to the summer and you know, taking it easy, just watching some of this basketball and now watching all this. Uh, I thought I was going to get a breather, and all of a sudden, the craziness happened the, the day after the Celtics got eliminated from the playoffs. Well, let's talk about that. Uh, Boy, it seemed as though it sent shockwaves through Boston and really through the NBA with Danny Ainge stepping down and then Brad Stevens being elevated uh, to the president of basketball operations. Uh, How stunning was that news to you, Sid? Well, the the part about Danny leaving, uh, being 63, whatever he is right now, said, you know, he, he, he said, well, you know, he had a heart attack a couple of years ago. And the stress that goes along with that job, I could see him stepping down and moving on. But the the shocking part was Brad stepping down or stepping up or whatever direction you want to put it in of leaving the Celtics coaching and then being taking over Danny's job and now a vacancy there uh, with the coaching coaching carousel. So that was the real thing that shocked me. It wasn't necessarily Danny leaving, but but Brad moving over into that other chair. Fred, a lot of things have, uh, have changed in our league because of the bubble. And you and I were talking, and Tim were talking before we came on air about the youth, these young, these young Wolverines that are coming into our league who have no fear, that are highly skilled. And it seems like all of a sudden, Brad, there's a lot of them. I think that the tougher job now is not necessarily the coach that the Celtics hire, but the job that Brad is going to have to do to sift through all of this stuff. Would you agree? Yeah, Brad's going to have to have a, you know, this is going to be a tough job. And it's a tougher job because you're in Boston. And you think about the Celtics, it's about winning championships. is isn't about winning the division. is isn't about, you know, putting another banner up that you won, you know so many games and you got to the finals, it's about winning championships. And, um, you know, you are right now a long ways from that. There are many holes and many pieces that you have, but you still have a, you know, have a, a Tatum and you have a Brown. So you have a, you have a platform for some good things to happen. But I think that there has to be some even changes there. I love Jalen Brown. I love Tatum. But if you're going to make a, if Brad Stevens is going to make a move with this team, I believe that he's going to have to trade. Probably going to be Brown, your best asset. Your best asset is probably Tatum. But there will be pitchforks out if they tried to trade him. 
<laughs> so I think that what he has to do, maybe Brown is the guy because I don't know if Brown and Tatum really make each other better. I think mm. they're kind of duplicate players. And in order to make something else happen, the Celtics have to fill those holes. And, and one of the holes is, is a big guy. I think they have to get bigger and have a guy who can score the basketball uh, from the center position. So, said just to follow up on that, you really see a, a roster being remade, per se, that this roster has constructed, or at least uh, with Tatum and Brown leading the effort, uh, that's not going to get it done from your perspective. No. That, from my perspective, no, it won't. I think that, and, and this is, and because I'm in, in the legend seat, I get a chance to float this out here. To me, if I'm the Boston Celtics right now, I go to Minnesota and I have Jalen Brown in the car and I get Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns has never really won anything in this league and he is always being bounced out. You know, doesn't even make the playoffs. So eventually he has to be tired of that. He can check a lot of boxes with his size, his ability to score the basketball in the paint, and bigger than that, he is he's mean, and, and I like that. He's the last fight that I remember in this league was probably between Carl Anthony Towns and Joel Embiid, where it actually was a, a physical. I'm grabbing you, throwing you down, swinging with punches. So I, I want somebody like that in the paint, and the Celtics just don't have enough of those players. Well, when you look around the league, at one time, when we played you guys, the last two times we played you, in fact, the last time we played you, we tied 3-3 going up to Boston, and we sort of ran away with that game in advance. Look at the shape of the league right now. Milwaukee, Brooklyn, and the 76ers, and then you've got the Young Turks in Atlanta and the Knicks, and we don't even want to talk about the West. We don't even want to talk about the West. So this overhaul... It has to be major, doesn't it, Brad? I mean, the yeah, players you're talking that, about, yeah. this is a major move by a new GM. Well, uh, you know, and this is what happens. If you are a new GM, they're begging you to roll the dice. It's like, Jim, when you're at the, you know, I know you don't do this, Jim, because you're not that kind of person, but your your partner beside you probably does. When you got the <laughs> dice in your hand at the crap table, they're saying, roll the damn dice, man. Come on, roll them. So, so I think in this case, because Brad, he's just getting into this job, I think the fact that he has, the, he would have the ability and he would have the backing of the organization to roll the dice and do something different. You know, here's the big thing about the Celtics to me, which really kills me. And, and, and Jim, you love this one. The fact that Tatum and Brown have played 600, maybe 50 games together. Okay. In 650 games, they've never had an altercation with another player where you went up in somebody's face and they hit you or and you don't do that again. You that's can't have your, your best players can't be that way. Yeah, your best unheard. players have to, and I'm not saying that, you know, Tatum has to go out and throw blows, but at least he has to protect himself. And a lot of times he'll go to the officials but he won't go to the dude who just did it. Yeah. You and I were in the league long enough to know if you got a bully in the league and a guy keeps bullying you, what's going to stop him? That's you're right. going to stop him. It's not going to be the right. official. You're going to have to put a halt to that. And that's something that I, I hope that 
Tatum and Brown grow into. Great stuff. All right, we're going to squeeze in a quick timeout when we come back. More with Cedric Cornbread Maxwell. Yes, he's very comfortable in the Legends Chair. A dual appearance for Set in the Chair. We've got more with Cornbread Maxwell after this on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. Cavs HQ is brought to you by Sherwin-Williams, the official paint and coatings partner of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And by Huntington. If you need guidance on your money right now, talk to Huntington. Welcome. And we welcome you back to Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Tim Elkhorn along with Jim Jones. Jim, uh, we'll let you start this segment off with our very special guest making a return appearance on Cavs HQ, said Maxwell. Jim? This is a two-part question, and one is, uh, who's going to come out of the East? And then the second part of it, will they be strong enough to defeat whoever comes out of the West? Um, you know, mine this year, and, and, you know, everybody loves right now jumping on that bandwagon with Brooklyn. The thing that, that bothers me about Brooklyn is they, they don't defend. Yeah. And I, they have great scores, there's no doubt. But sometimes they just let you score so you can get the ball back. To me, the team that has a chip on the shoulder and is playing that way right now, and to me, is Milwaukee. You got Milwaukee's it. Okay. long. They're athletic. They're explosive. Middleton is taking another step forward. Giannis, you know, feels that thing from, you know, uh, of people saying he, he let them down for a couple of years. Brooke Lopez is a good player. Great, I mean, he's a good stopper. When we talk about shooting the basketball from the outside, and he's big enough to challenge. He was really the one that kind of won that series versus, I think, Miami because Bam Alibado was just not in his league. He was too big, big too strong as a seven-footer. And then you, you add Holiday into the mix. Milwaukee's the team, I think, coming out of the East. And I think they have enough because they defend really well that they could win it. And then again, the second part of Jim's question said, uh, who, who do you think might come out of the West? Uh, wow. That's, that's, that's a good one. Out of the West, you know what? Who, who's been impressing me over and over again has been Big Jokic. And, you know, people have talked about watching Utah play. I just like Denver a little bit better because they got the MVP this year. And the thing that they do also is, which is people say, well, it's just psychological. When they get you up in Denver in, in that mile high environment, I'm telling you, man, that is, that's a home court advantage. Cause the first Jim would tell you in the first six, seven minutes of a game versus Denver in Denver, Man, you felt like your lungs were about to explode. And Denver would get off the leads, and, and they ran all the time when they had Fats right. Lever and they had Alex English and Kiki Vanderway and Dan Issel. And, and that's what they try to do now. So Denver, to me, is a team that I think is going to come out of the uh, come out of the West. Boy, that's interesting, even without Murray. With, without Murray. I, I think the way Jokic is playing and some of those other scores they have, and Porter Jr. is the one that is more intriguing to me because 
he reminds me so much of Durant shooting the yes, basketball. He He's a seven-footer, mm-hmm. great touch, runs the floor well. I just think they utilize a great system, and I like them with what they're able to do. Again, we're talking with Seth Maxwell as he joins us on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Said, I want to circle back to the East for just a moment. And uh, Jim had talked about Milwaukee before we came out on the air today. You just mentioned the Bucks. Why are they flying under the radar? Why aren't they getting the attention they deserve? Because they have failed miserably in the last couple of years. You know, when you when the, people put you out there and everybody's like, oh, my God, Giannis is that. And then you watch what happened to them in the bubble, and they lost. And you watch what happened in the year before, they lost. So I think that's why they're flying under the radar. Nobody's giving them a, a chance because they have essentially let you down at the altar for two for a couple of years. It'd be like the the guy who wanted to marry a woman, and all of a sudden, like, where is she? Well, she didn't come the first time. Maybe the second time. Well, the third time, you're going, damn, I I don't know. So I think that's why people are looking at uh, Milwaukee in that way because they have failed over the last couple of years. Said, I also wanted to ask you about the, uh, you know, the the incident, if you want to call it that, or the situation with Kyrie uh, up at TD Garden with the thing in the center circle and Lucky Leprechaun. Uh, you shared some thoughts on that on Twitter. How big of a deal was that? To me, it it, it, it didn't make any sense. Kyrie's a great player, and I'll say this over and over again: maybe the best offensive guard the Celtics have ever had to put on a uniform. But for him to go at the end of the game, he played a great game in Boston, scored 39 points or whatever it was. And then at the end of the game, he's out of the game. The game's over. They win handily. He comes back to dap his boys up and then goes to the center of the court and just kind of smushes the leprechaun's face. And it wasn't – it was just so blatant. It wasn't like, you know, it's like almost like he had poop on his shoes. (laughs) He just got right there and just like, yee, that's like – are you serious? I mean, everybody, I mean, people, you, you really had to see it, but it was like, look at me, look at what I, look what I've done. And, and it's, and I can understand not liking the opposition, but there's also good damn winners. You can win in a good way, just like you have to lose in a good way, you know, and, and you show class. That was a class list move. You know what, and you can't defend it, you know, on any level because uh, it is so out of the ordinary and it definitely shows terrible sportsmanship, and sportsmanship is important. Uh, But let's talk about where this league is going, uh, Brad. You know, Jokic wins the MVP. That'll be the third time that a foreign player, uh, not from this country, has won the MVP, mm-hmm. and if Dunchick can play like he's playing right now, he'll be the next. These kids are foreign kids. Tell me, tell me how how Europe has seems to caught has caught up with this style of play. Well, I think it's, it it shows you really that the game is no longer just an American game. It's an international game. The game is played all over the world by great players, and I think that that one thing that the Euros have over Americans was the fact that just certain things that they added to the game, the Euro step. I mean, Americans are catching up with it, whereas the Europeans kind of brought it over here, and you watch how they make these moves. And, 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 you know, you're going to have American players who are going to 
uh, are going to be MVPs again in this league. But right now, the Euro players right now are just playing at a different level. And like you said, the next guy could be Luka Doncic. You know, the way he's playing the game is such a high level. So, I mean, it's, it, 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 it's, just a, it's just a global game now. And you think when Yao Ming was in the league, what he was able to do. So I, I don't see it really ever returning to just an American game because the game is loved all over the world. And the NBA has done a great job of exporting that product around the globe. And even when I'm over in – I used to go to Korea sometimes and, and have clothes made or just go over there. And I, I, there were many times I would go and I would see kids out, you know, in Korea playing basketball instead of playing soccer or whatever they might play. So that's why the game has changed. That's awesome. All right, we'll sneak in one more timeout and then one more segment with Cedric Cornbread Maxwell. He's sitting in the Legends chair on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. We'll hear more from Celtic legend Ced Maxwell after this on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. The Drew Joyce Classic, in partnership with the Cavaliers, will be held June 25th through the 27th in downtown Cleveland. This premier U.S. travel basketball tournament features boys and girls in 2nd to 11th grades. Teams will compete for a championship in their age group and showcase their ability to compete at a higher level. Learn more about the tournament at DrewJoyceClassic.com. Cavs in the Community is brought to you by Discount Drug Mart. We'll have more of Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams, after this on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. Oh, Marty Allen dialing up some great music on the other side of the window. Marty along with Kurt McLaughlin and Leo Simone making things roll on that side. And, of course, yours truly, Tim Elkhorn, along with Jim Jones, bringing you Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. And in the Legends chair for this week's edition is none other than one of our favorites, Cedric Cornbread Maxwell, Boston Celtics legend, and, of course, now a member of the Celtics radio broadcast team. And uh, I just want to say I am really honored. This is a thrill for me to talk to two guys in Jim Jones and said Maxwell that have NBA championship rings. They know what this is all about this time of the year in the NBA. And and said I want to ask you, and then Jim, you certainly can chime in as well as far as describing to the fans, describing to the listeners the intensity, the emotional impact of playoff basketball, what it means psychologically. How is it different now for the guys than it was for what was this year, a 72-game regular season schedule. Try to describe that for our fans. Playoff basketball. Well, first of all, Cavs fans, let me say how lucky you guys are to have your group, but in particular Jim Jones, because I watched Jim, and I watched Jim when he was in college. I watched him in the pros. I watched him kick kick ass throughout, you know, the entire league until I got in the league. It's like, man, this dude can play the game. And then to meet him later on, and to see his intellect, that was, to me, was really what separated and, and made Jim Jim. So now I'll stop gushing about him and, and tell you what it is about <laughs> the you, NBA. Thank you. you know, 
I think they're primetime players. And Jim will tell you that there are certain guys that you know that you can look at in the locker room and you can go, I know what's going to happen tonight. And there's certain guys you can look in the locker room and you can see their knees buckling. You can see people <laughs> trembling. True. There, there are big-hearted guys who play in the league, and then there are the guys who have the real tiny ones. You know, when crunch time comes up, that is what separates championship teams and championship players. Well, said, I had that feeling when we played with the Lakers. And I was in awe when Bill Sharman came to me and said, we want to start you. I said, well, Mr. Sharman, I'm fine coming off the bench and, uh, you know, and subbing for Spencer and uh, Kareem. No, we want you to start. We feel this is best. Said, I almost cried in his face. Could you imagine coming from Cleveland after all those disastrous years and a little bit of success we had? And then all of a sudden, I'm in Los Angeles with the L.A. Lakers, and I got Jamal Wilkes, Norm Nixon, Kareem, and Magic. Yeah. Come on. And you want me to start? I was willing to die out there every night. And you and I both know I was very, very aggressive, but I wasn't really big enough to be physical consistently, but but, uh, I hid it because I was so competitive. But when I was in L.A., this body got beat up, and I was willing to take that beating because of the greatness of the guys I played with. You're exactly right. And don't play yourself short. You got MVP one year in the yes. finals because yep. of your ability to play big basketball. That little spin move down low, I switched from Larry Bird out to you, and you made that shot over me a couple of times, <laughs> and then you, and then you duck walk back down the court. I said, I'm not switching anymore. <laughs> I'm not switching. I told him. I said, "Hey, look, you, yeah, we, you got we, a guard we here. understand. We 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 do understand how that works, and <laughs> you know, watching players and playing with you know, it was me like playing the first time playing with Larry Bird. I, yeah. I've, I've told this, and I'll say it on the so the Cavs can listen. My first time playing against Larry Bird is Jim. You knew we were looking at. It. I was like, well, maybe this this dude, the great white hope. Yeah, he can't really play." You know, my right. first game That's with right. him and That's first right. practice. Jim, by the time I left that practice, man, I, I went to the first black person I could see and went, you know what? This damn white guy could play. <laughs> That's and right. That was, that, was, that was how it was presented to me. And then the crazy thing about it was that year, Larry's first year, everybody would look at me at, at first and go at, at, you know, before the game, we're going, yo, man, what's this uh, – What's this bird kid like? <laughs> <laughs> and I always go, you'll find out many. <laughs> you'll find out. And what I loved about him, he was just tough, man. He was tough. He And that's why I said about Tatum Brown. He protected himself. He wasn't yes, the best fighter in the world. But no, damn, but he, man, was he, was, he wasn't afraid to take a punch or give a punch. And that, to me, separates, you know, when you're talking about going to the next level. And, that's Jim, right. you and I have talked many times. It was only one guy in the league that, you know, I wouldn't fight, and that was Lonnie Shelton because he was too big and too strong. That's right. And, and I told somebody, I told Lonnie, though, he hit me, and he used to play with the Cavaliers. I said, you hit me, I'm hitting somebody else. <laughs> you ain't got to worry about it. I ain't letting nobody else go. Some, every time you hit me, it's going to rain on somebody else's parade. <laughs> so, you know, there were certain guys, I, he was the only guy I would yep. not fight because – he wanted to fight every time you saw him. 
I just That's wanted right. to fight one time to show you I was a real man. Right. That's great yeah, you stuff. Know, it's amazing, Brad, because uh, I remember that series, our championship series in Los Angeles, and I was matched up against Lonnie. And I remember the first five minutes, he elbowed me in the mouth. And I've always been raised, never let them know they hurt you. And so I'm going back down the floor. And so I throw a sharp elbow into his shoulder and almost dislocated my shoulder. <laughs> and then after that, and then after that, the officials was like, okay, you two play over here and fight. And the and us four over here are going to play back. And that's the way the whole series went. You know, it was a personal physical battle between me and Lonnie. And that was the strongest I ever stood up because of the greatness I was playing with. I didn't want to let my teammates down. And Jim, I, you played, I, I, know I you played truly like that. understand what you're saying. One, of the, yep. the, and I'll tell. I know I have to be quick here, but no, one of the ahead. best games that you know I remember was back in the day when me and Jim were playing, and for most of my career, there were only two officials, right. and yeah. we had a game against Philly. And one of the officials went down with the injury, and they didn't have a replacement. So it was one one guy officiating the game. On the side where the basketball was, it was peaceful, and it was played like a regular <laughs> NBA game. On the other side where he couldn't see, there was screaming and cussing and fighting. <laughs> Guys were being thrown all over the place. <laughs> it was it was like tag team wrestling over there on the other side. So I, I just think that, you know, you talk about physicality of a game. I would love for some of these guys right now who think they're tough guys to oh play goodness. during that era because that's when men were doggone men then. You didn't get no cheap fouls and what Kyrie did against the Celtics. Oh, they yeah, threw him on his head. Meshing on yeah. the leprechaun's face. You yeah. didn't have to worry about that. Somebody would have saw him for the next game, and he would have seen some stars. But, you know, that's don't right. let me advocate violence, Jim. But that's the thing about this league to me, which is watered down because now guys feel like they can do anything. Yeah. Sometimes when you you go through a toll, you've got to pay the price. And these guys right, right now don't feel like they have to pay the, pay the price. All right, Seth, i got one final question for you. Now, you, you mentioned earlier that if – you were Brad Stevens. Here's a move, or here's some things you would think about. So, if you were Adam Silver, if you were NBA commissioner, one thing that you would do to change the NBA? You know what? I, if I was Adam Silver, I think what I'd do, I'd let guys start talking a little bit more junk because the game was a psychological game. And I wouldn't even mind maybe a little bit more toughness. I'd take away, I would take away the uh, flagrant fouls. And I think people would like it a little bit more. And it would make players more accountable. All we have right now are guys who are so-called tough guys in this league. And they will rub, help, they will rub their, their heads together like, you know, I'm not sure what kind of contest there is. During my era, during Jim's era, you walked up to a man and you approached him and you got arms limp because you know something was about to fly at you. And I, I would I would take that out. I would have wanted it to be a lot more physical than it is now. Sometimes the players have to police the game themselves, correct? That's, Absolutely. Yes, yes, and, yes. and they do a good job of that. They understand. They, they understand what's going on. And I'm not advocating, you know, hurting a player. But I'm also, you know, an advocate of 
making a guy responsible for his actions. And and that's one thing that you don't have in this league now because of you just trying to take everything out of the game. You can't you can't take all the physicality out of a game, especially as big and strong as these guys are. Every foul, every time a guy gets tapped on the head or, you know, you're saying flagrant foul. I, Jim, I'm telling you, a flagrant foul was when a guy's his eye was hanging out or somebody <laughs> was right. bleeding. That's, That's right. when you knew that was a flagrant foul. Right now, yeah. is you it bleeding? Is it bleeding? No. the first thing they do is fall out on the floor. Back in our era, if a guy fell on the floor, you stepped on it. And I loved it. <laughs> yep, I've done that. Oh, man. Said on that note, man, it you, you you closed it out with a crescendo. I'll say you that. Man. There you go. Don't don't come to the party like. Look, if you don't want an honest answer, please don't ask me. Oh, you're you're the guy, man. You're the guy. We love great, having you settling stuff. in that legends chair, man. Good stuff, and uh, we'll keep an eye on Boston during this off season. Hey, you may make a third appearance in the legends chair. If they make this move, and, and I think, and again, I think Brad has to with this team, I would love to come back and talk and, you know, and find out because I, I didn't even get a chance to ask you guys anything at all about Kevin Love and just yeah. just what happened there last year because I thought he was a great player, and, man, there was a lot of things that went downhill. We'll save that for the next show. All right, he said, man. <laughs> we appreciate it, man. You've been a All great, right. you've been a great friend to Cavs HQ, and uh, we'll book that third show uh, right around the corner. <laughs> All right, guys. Have Call a you one. later, Seth. Thanks, Call you Seth. later. Oh, what an awesome guest! Awesome guest, Cedric Cornbread Maxwell, Celtics legend, and of course now a member of the Celtics radio broadcast team. He's just tremendous. We'll have more on Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams after this on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams, Tim Elkhorn along with Jim Jones. And Jim, even though I know you already had said Maxwell's number, I want to thank you again for getting into that black book of yours. Boy, We've had great guests, awesome guests on Cavs HQ, but I don't know if they come any better than said Maxwell. No, said what he is, he is. And, uh, he's a country boy just like me, and he puts it on the line. But the unique thing about him is you can hear the love in his voice and the passion that he has for this game. Yeah, just a great guest. And uh, we'll have him back, no doubt about it. Oh, no question about it. It's going to be a very intriguing offseason for that Boston Celtics team. Well, Jim... We're here to talk a little Cavs basketball as well as the Cavs uh, now into the off season, And uh, we'll start things off uh, going back to the uh, season-ending press conference that Kobe Altman had uh, about two weeks ago or so. And uh, one of the things that Kobe Altman addressed was a look back at the 2021 campaign. Really taking a look at the season um, in its totality, we tasked ourselves with building this thing through the draft and creating a young core of talented players. And so while this year was a lot about development, it was about evaluation too. And I think a lot of questions were answered for us in terms of the excitement level of that young core. I think for us, the next step is we have to supplement that talent. I think you see the young teams in the playoffs right now have established veterans that really are helping those talented young pieces. 
that's has to be our next step. I think there's a lot of that in-house. We just haven't been healthy. Larry Nance Jr. makes us a radically better team. Kevin Love makes us a better team. Jetty, uh, Torian Prince, Dylan Windler. Those guys were all out for significant amounts of time. So we have to move this thing forward for sure. It will happen organically. Uh, but I, I have to say that the future is really, really bright with what we have put together through the draft. And again, we're going to add another talented young piece, but you know, the plan for sure moving forward is to supplement that, that young core. Jim, I think Kobe made some great points there. The young core, Allen, Garland, Sexton, Okoro, uh, boy, just like uh, Brad Stevens up in Boston, as said Maxwell talked about uh, some decisions for Kobe Altman, but that young core is there for the Cavaliers, agree? Yeah, I think so. And uh, What happens is this is the traditional way to build a team. The non-traditional way is when Harden and uh, Durant leave wherever they were going and go to and all three want to play together. That's a little bit different scenario. And for us to compare that grouping and other big groupings where they have a big three of free agents or guys that force their way from one team to another, that's a little bit different. But the traditional way is to build like like the way Denver is built, the way the Sacramento, who I think is an up-and-coming team, is built, and like Utah. You know, you add some pieces along the way, but the draft becomes even more important because that's where you start. Kobe knows that, and uh, they're doing it the right way. The thing that gets in your way uh, are the things that uh, you can't guard against, the protocol. And the injuries, you know, those two things dominated our season. Well, Jim, that's a great segue into our next cut uh, from Kobe Altman because, uh, to your point, uh, he says the building blocks are in place. There's some core pieces, but uh, make no mistake about it, the next step for this Cavalier team in the organization is winning. I think our guys are hungry. They see the playoffs. They see the intensity, the playing game. Like, they see that that sort of one and done and and, and the intensity of that. They're hungry now. And I think they understand, like, there's talent here that has to now translate into wins at some point. Again, it's on me to help supplement that young talent. It's on JB to keep growing the culture here. He's done a wonderful job uh, growing that, developing young talent. The vets all love him. He has a, a great command of the locker room. He's the right voice for this team and, and this, this young core. And Jim, Kobe mentioned right there the uh, the leadership of J.B. Bickerstaff with this young team that he's the right voice for this core right now. Yeah, he is because, uh, because of the youth and because of his experience, uh, he's able to relate to the veteran players. The thing that I think is that when players do what we call comparatives, they're, they're looking at guys they played against in AAU, high school, or just in the NBA play that are their age. And these guys are in the playoffs. And that becomes a really dominating, uh, uh, traumatic experience to know your buddies are in the playoffs. I'm just as good as that guy, but I'm not there. I mean, that is a tremendous motivating factor. It was for me, and it was for Bob McAdoo, who was my closest friend at the time. And we always talked, and he'd call me from Boston, and I'm sitting at home because we lost to Kansas City. And then he's in Boston playing Boston, giving Dave Cowens 45. You know, and so we grew up together through through the NBA. And to, to not be playing when he was playing, oh, Tim, 
I had sleepless nights all summer. I couldn't wait for the season to start. And that's what players look at. They look at guys my age, are they doing more than what I'm doing? And that becomes a motivating factor for them. Uh, Kobe, the next step is just keep, keep getting more talent. If it's veteran talent or if it's young talent, but you've got to get some more talent. And the thing that Bickerstaff does that I love is he tries to make it fit because you just can't have talent for talent's sake. The talent has to fit based upon your offense and defensive strategies. You've got to get players to complement that. And that was the great point that Seth made about uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Perhaps they just don't fit together. All right, we'll take a quick timeout. More to come, Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. going to do it for this week's edition of Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams. All sorts of people to thank, of course, on the other side of the window. Marty Allen, Kurt McLaughlin, Leo Simone. Awesome job by those three. Of course, a great big thank you goes out to Jim Jones. And what can you say about our guest in the Legends chair, Cedric Cornbread Maxwell. Boy, that was a lot of fun to talk to Ced. Of course, throughout the summer, we've got more Cavs HQs coming your way. So until next week, when we talk again on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams, this is Tim Elkhorn saying thank you very much for listening on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. Cavs HQ was brought to you by Sherwin-Williams, the official paint and coatings partner of the Cleveland Cavaliers, and by Huntington. If you need guidance on your money right now, Talk to Huntington. Welcome.